2: Visit LiveNation.com slash to learn more and plan your summer with Sean Paul, Sum 41, 30 Seconds to Mars, oh, and Two Door Cinema Club.
3: Hey guys, ready or not, 2024 is here and we here at Breaking Points are already thinking of ways we can up our game for this critical election.
6: We rely on our premium subs to expand coverage, upgrade the studio, add staff, give you guys the best independent coverage that is possible. If you like what we're all about, it just means the absolute world to have your support. But enough with that, let's get to the show. today is the Iowa caucuses. People will begin voting later on tonight in their bizarre Byzantine, some would say, system. Uh, but to, before we get to that, uh, we should actually go over, as Crystal mentioned, the final Des Moines Register poll. It's considered one of the gold standard polls um, in the state. Let's go ahead and put it up there on the screen so everyone can see. So we've got Donald Trump, at 48 percent, Nikki Haley at 20 percent, Governor Ron DeSantis at 16 percent, Vivek Ramaswamy at 8 percent, Hutchinson, a whopping Still hanging one. in there. And Ryan Binkley. I actually don't know who Ryan is, but uh, okay. Businessman? Uh, Ryan, something like that? whatever. There's always one. There's yeah. a guy uh, who always comes in, you know, somehow he's there. <coughs> what we find here is that Trump overwhelmingly winning with 28% margin. The big question, uh, and we will reveal what we think actually about this, is the Trump support soft? Is it overstated? And we were comparing a little bit to results from 2016. I have it in front of me here. In 2016, the Iowa uh, Des Moines Register poll actually had Trump at 28% and Ted Cruz at 23%. The final results actually had Ted Cruz winning the Iowa caucuses with 27.6% and t- Trump at 24.3. As you can see right there from the 2016 results, Marco Rubio coming in at 23%. So the question, Crystal, is uh, is that going to happen again this time? Is Trump's support going to be understated? I personally think, though. Because the dynamics are so different this time around, Mm -hmm. Ted Cruz, if people remember, had a tremendous operation in Iowa. It also was at a time of much more uncertainty. That was the very first first vote ever cast in official proceeding for Donald Trump. The juggernaut that he was politically did not yet quite exist. And there was a different evangelical turnout. He hadn't been president yet. His favorability numbers were not necessarily where they are right now. And then the problem also, in my opinion, is that Ted Cruz was a far more formidable candidate than both Nikki Haley and Ron DeSantis kind of in their own way. DeSantis has tried to mimic the 2016 playbook, but Nikki Haley is not running you know, for the same conservative voters. She's actually winning a decent amount of Democratic voters, fine if you're running in a general election, but not when you're running in an overall Republican primary.
3: Yeah, and let me explain that yeah. piece a little bit so people can understand. So Traditionally, Democrats and Republicans Uh both have Iowa as their first voting contest, their first caucus on the map. This is sort of like famous political history, et cetera. Because Joe Biden the DNC wanted to make sure to rig the primary on his behalf and also because Iowa, let's be honest, last time around for the Democrats, utter and complete debacle. So New Hampshire sort of put up a fight about getting bumped back in the lineup, they're still going ahead, They're being penalized by the DNC. We'll talk about that you know, more as we get to New Hampshire. But Iowa, I think because they had such an embarrassing situation unfold last time, just kind of hung their heads in shame. We're like, all right, fine, we'll go to the back mm-hmm. of the line. So there is no Democratic voting tonight. What that means is that theoretically, Democrats- who want to vote in the Republican caucus and try to sow a little bit of chaos or try to register their disapproval of Donald Trump, they can actually register as a Republican at the caucus site itself and go ahead and vote in a Republican primary. Polls show, and I think we have the numbers we could put up in a minute, polls show a significant number of Democrats are actually planning to back Nikki Haley and mm-hmm. say that if she doesn't win, they're going to vote for Joe Biden in the general election. Now, I am a little bit skeptical because I always see these narratives come up when it's election time. It's like, oh, the Republicans are going to cross over and they're going to cause chaos in the Democratic vote, or the Democrats are going to cross over and they're going to cause chaos, et cetera, et cetera. I've never seen it happen in such large numbers that it really makes a significant difference. That's right. Now, independents are another story, and this is why Nikki Haley's doing well in New Hampshire, because you have a large group of independents who historically do vote in the New Hampshire primary. And so those independents, if they're looking to, you know, be able to participate in democracy, their only opportunity to do so is in the Republican caucus. So I could see a significant number of independents showing up to caucus with the Republicans tonight. So uh, that's kind of the story of Nikki Haley's support, especially with Chris Christie dropping out. She is really consolidating that quote unquote hard, like anti-Trump vote. And based on the numbers, the majority—this won't surprise you. I mean, it's a very, like, wine track, beer track kind of situation. Her support is overwhelmingly white, college-educated, suburban. And so as you're looking at the map tonight and as things are unfolding, those are the places where if she's going to have a big night, they should be coming in really strong for her. And if she's not— doing well there, then she's not really going to do well anywhere.
6: That's another good reason. Whenever you're watching the returns, you know usually these urban centers are the ones who can report more quickly. And they're also the easiest ones for reporters and all that to get to. So in some cases, you can actually see overstated support for the urban backed candidates, the suburban people, people who would like to support Nikki Haley. For example, let's put this up there on the screen, as Crystal alluded to from NBC News. They asked the question, if Donald Trump is the Republican nominee in the general election, would you vote for him, vote for Joe Biden, vote for RFK Jr., or vote for Somebody else. Forty-three percent of Nikki Haley supporters say that they would vote for Joe Biden. Far more, near I mean, more, than almost double of the twenty-three percent who say that they would vote for Trump. Eight percent say that they would vote for Bobby Kennedy, and then nineteen percent say they would either vote for another third party or they are not sure. So it's pretty substantial. The vast, uh, I guess, the plurality of those Nikki Haley voters who will vote tonight in the Des Moines, or at least who are slated to vote tonight in the Iowa caucuses, according to the Des Moines Register poll are Democrats and so that pretty significant uh if you're a Republican, crossover you don't want to see those numbers you don't want to see those numbers <laughs> in a freaking Republican primary again you know that's something that you may want to see in a general election but you had to get to the election first and I think that's the major problem that they have right now so as we mentioned too in terms of the overall polling average this can sometimes be uh, even more significant let's go and put this up there please on the screen so this is what we have for the RCP average the average of all of the polls going into this over the last five to 10 days, 52% for Donald Trump, 18% for Nikki Haley, 15.5% for Ron DeSantis, 6.5% for Vivek Ramaswamy, and 35 for Chris Christie. Chris Christie obviously no longer in the race, so you can kind of distribute that, probably the majority of that to Nikki Haley, which kind of does line up, Crystal, with the uh, numbers that we saw um, in the final Des Moines Register poll. But then the, ba- the big question hanging over all of this, is the same one blanketing Washington to What about the damn weather? The weather in Iowa is completely insane. We have a local news clip here just to lay out how this is the coldest caucus literally on record with minus 30 or so temperatures expected with wind chill. Let's take a listen.
4: Uh, The high temperature Monday will be just below zero, far colder than the coldest caucus on record. That was 16 degrees in 2004. Now, the wind chill Monday will be, as we mentioned, 20 to 30 degrees below zero. Again, much colder than minus 21 degrees. That was back way back in 1972. So what does it mean? KCCI political analyst Dennis Goldford says the weather likely will affect the Iowa caucus results. Fewer people may turn out to vote for their favorite candidate and all those poll results and the outcomes certainly could change.
1: The concern for the various candidates aside from not being able to get to scheduled venues is that their supporters just may not be able to get to their caucus sites or they may decide it's a done deal or it's just not worth it to them.
6: Yeah, it would have to be worth a lot for me, Crystal, to be able to go out there. So currently, as you and I are speaking, it is minus 11 degrees oh. Fahrenheit in Des Moines,
3: Iowa. Is that the feels like? No, 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 that's, no, no. The, that's up the temperature.
6: temperature. <laughs> uh, the, according <laughs> to so the bad. National Weather Service, the feels like is wind chills below thir- as low as 35 below oh. zero. So the lowest I've ever personal experience is minus 20, and that's when your snot actually freezes mm-hmm. to your face. So mm-hmm. uh, yeah, just well, to make about it real. That's for me. First time I was in Minneapolis. Is. Yeah, you <laughs> exactly. just like, go Same outside Minneapolis.
3: it like punches you in the face it's that horrible. level of gold it's horrible there's a couple ways to look at this in terms of like first of all does it make a difference at all right? Does it just decrease voter turnout overall, but in similar percentages across the board? That's very possible. Mm -hmm. Um, One way to spin it, if you're a Nikki Haley or Ron DeSantis person is like, oh, well, Trump support is strongest in the more rural areas where it's more difficult. The roads will be less treated. You got to travel further in order to get to the caucus site. So perhaps it has more of an impact on his support versus the Nikki Haley support, which is in the more suburban urban areas. And I think Ron DeSantis is kind of like evenly distributed across the state. So that's one theory of the case. The other theory of the case is that if you dig into the numbers in that Des Moines Register poll, Nikki Haley's supporters, like the support among her supporters is extraordinarily weak. Yes, 9% of people who say they're gonna caucus for Nikki Haley say they're extremely enthusiastic about it. 9%. The equivalent number for Donald Trump is 49%. Uh, For Ron DeSantis, it's 23%. Of his supporters say they are extremely enthusiastic. So you would think that when it requires so much to be able to go out in freaking minus 30 degree weather and the driving snow and with the iced over roads and whatever to go caucus, that you better be extremely enthusiastic to go out and do that. That would, you know, augur more in the direction of Donald Trump. So take that for what it's worth. But again, I do think. Even though the top line number for Nikki in this Des Moines Register poll was pretty good, especially the fact she jumps ahead of Ron DeSantis, and she really has staked her uh, claim on New Hampshire. That's really where she wants to put in uh, a great showing. So if she's able to pull off a strong second in Iowa, that would be a very good finish for her. But if you dig into these numbers, Ann Seltzer, who does this poll, said it was (laughs) jaw-dropping, the lack of enthusiasm for Nikki Haley evidenced by those polls. And then you add to what we were saying before, that much of her support is like Democrats and independents. Are they really going to brave the conditions to go out and vote in a Republican caucus? I think that's a gigantic question mark.
6: Yeah, she says, quote, her enthusiasm numbers, again, I think are on the edge of job dropping. 61% are just mildly enthusiastic or not enthusiastic. It just seems at odds with the candidate moving up. She actually says, according to her own poll, her own poll vastly overstates Nikki Haley's support. And don't forget- Crystal, we have to explain like the bizarre caucus system, the way that it actually works, where there's a first round, but then there's also second round before we get to the eventual vote total. So let's say that she does have soft support. Number one, that's gonna be very difficult in terms of getting people out to the actual polls. And then in the various, was precincts, where she doesn't rise to the percentage uh, that she would need to in the first vote, then her voters would then be uh, able to scatter. But then the question is if they don't support anybody other candidate than her, are they going to leave the caucus? And this is where the actual voting system gets just completely awry. We saw this actually previously, part of why it was so difficult in the whole software meltdown or whatever for the DNC. This was part of what broke the actual software is that they weren't able to account for the second count voting in this system.
3: Yeah, it was just total complete meltdown of Mm -hmm. the tech that they were relying on previously. They'd use sort of more just like by hand or antiquated methods that turned out to be a lot more reliable than they paid some, you know, rising Democratic consultant star to build this crap who happened to be affiliated with mm-hmm. Pete Buttigieg. But we'll just leave all, all of that stuff. in the past. Right. I just, I will never forget though when we were covering that. Yeah. At Rising, we were doing like a live stream. We're yes. waiting for the results. Anytime the results are, the results are sure to start coming in. Yeah, and they kept
6: coming in the ear. They're like, "It's coming now." We're like, "Okay, okay." And I was, I remember being nothing. on Twitter and be like, "I don't think so." And then, it, what we we stretched it as long as we possibly could. And then at a certain point, I think it must have been like ten. 30 or so. And we were like, okay, like, I, I guess we're just going to go home. I, yeah. I don't really know what's
3: happening. And the Pete, yeah. Pete came out and just like declared yeah. victory based on nothing. Like, and okay. the media's like, okay, you won. Sure. Yeah. Let's move on to New Hampshire. It was crazy. Anyway, yeah. that's why Democrats, you know, that in the fact that I think I also want to make sure to mention Joe Biden and the DNC have just decided like, we're not doing democracy. We're going to kill democracy to try to save democracy. A bunch of States have just completely canceled their primaries, even though Joe Biden has, Challengers. He has Jen Kuger. Now there's questions constitutionally about him, but you can let the courts resolve whether he is, you know, actually a legit presidential candidate or not. You've got Marion Williamson, who's been running for quite a long time, and you have a congressman, uh, Dean Phillips, who is running against him as well. And rather than having the confidence to say, okay, we believe in our guy we think, and the polls demonstrate that he's overwhelmingly the favorite. Let's have a contest and you know, let people go out and register their choice. A number of these states have just completely canceled their primaries. And in Iowa, as I said, they were part of the shift in the lineup to try to make sure to bolster Joe Biden because he did poorly in Iowa last time. He did poorly in New Hampshire, very poorly in New Hampshire last time. So they demoted them because they did not align with the DNC's chosen candidate of Joe Biden. And um, Iowa's decided just to go along with that. New Hampshire's putting up more of a fight. Joe Biden will be only a write-in candidate in the state of New Hampshire. But um, you know that's why you have the Republicans going and not the Democrats in terms of Iowa. So when I look at all of this the weather, Mm. Nikki Haley seems to be surging at the right time. But then again, I was not a great state for her. And you dig into these polls and you're like, her people don't really care about whether she wins or not. And they're like mostly Democrats and independents and whatever. I feel like um, in terms of my prediction, I think Trump is going to more or less hit the percentage point that he is getting in this Des Moines Register poll Right around 50. Mm -hmm. Maybe I'm going to say a little bit under 50. I'm going to say he doesn't quite hit the 50 percentage point. I think Ron is actually going to be able to come from behind and get the second place win from Nikki and maybe get like 18 to 20 percentage point. And I think Nikki's support in this poll is a bit overstated that you could knock off like five points from the Des Moines Register poll. And that's roughly where Nikki will come in. I think Vivek will be a little bit stronger. I think the Des Moines Register poll had him at eight. I put him at like 10 Yes, because he's done so much. And we'll put the map up on the screen a little bit when we talk about more about him and Trump he has done so much work on the ground i just have to in my head believe that that counts for something that you know his people because they met him because he was there they feel some sort of commitment to him to actually turn up on a difficult caucus night so i'd put him more in the 10 percentage points which is kind of why i'm thinking maybe trump stays under 50 percentage points because out of all of these candidates, Vivek eats into Trump's margins the most because they're running the most similar type of campaign. Yeah,
6: so my numbers are, I, th- I agree with you. I think Trump is roughly going to be where he is. He's going to be around 48, 50%. It's possible that he goes over. It Actually, I would say it's more likely just because of the whole second system. I agree completely. I think Nikki Haley's support is vastly overstated. So she's going to come down probably to third percent. Ron will come in at second, but likely where Haley currently is around 20. And uh, I also believe that Vivek Ramaswamy, I think he could go as high as uh, 15%, possibly. Really? I think he may, it's possible he could even beat Nikki Haley. This could be totally wrong. And actually, this is gonna be a big test. We're gonna talk a lot about this in our Vivek section is, I still have to believe as you do that this stuff matters. Handshaking matters. Going to 94 out of the 99 counties in Iowa matters. Spending millions of dollars, you know, traversing the state. He's got all of these endorsements of these local politicians. Steve King, you know, the former congressman. Also, listen, I mean, he matters in <laughs> Iowa. Okay, he was a very popular man in Iowa. Not that um, popular.
3: I mean, I, he almost lost in like an extraordinarily Republican district. Amongst so.
6: Republicans, he is popular. Didn't he lose in a
3: primary, uh, Republican so primary?
6: It's complicated. Yeah. Uh, more what I would say is amongst Trump people- <laughs> I'm not sure I'd that's think, who
3: I'd want backing, but amongst anyway. Amongst Trump
6: people, I, that's who I would want um, on my side. So he's got enough of these, like, he's got these MAGA, every MAGA influencer in the country is down with Vivek right now in his suburban, traversing the state. You've got people like Candace Owens who've been going around with him. My point only being that I think it's understated to a point. I've also seen some polls as well that have either left him out or they're diminishing his support. So if there is to be an upset, I think it would be him maybe coming in third. And look, maybe this is hopium on my part. I just want to believe that campaigning still matters. Yeah. Uh, But it's possible it doesn't. It may not at all. I could be totally
3: wrong. For me, my thinking on Vivek cuts in two directions, which is why I only give him like a couple point bump Mm. over what the Des Moines Register poll has him at, which is on the one hand, yeah, I think the in-person stuff matters. On the other hand, I feel like the like internet-fueled candidates typically underperform. I'm thinking about Andrew Yang yeah, that's last true. time around, where you had all of this online. He was everywhere, and there's huge support, and you're thinking this has got to count for something in the polls. And he's got Dave Chappelle and other people who are campaigning for him. And then when it comes down to caucus night, he actually underperforms where he was in the polls. And you know, I feel like that's sort of the case with these candidates who are very online, which I would characterize Vivek mm-hmm. as being. So that. That's why I give him a little bump up for all the work that he's doing on the grounds. But the other problem for him is like, you know, his supporters, and we'll talk about this more when we get to the Vivek versus Trump thing, but like, they're basically Trump supporters. They still like Trump. I mean, Vivek's still out there like he's the greatest president of all time. So why are you going to vote for Vivek instead of Trump then? It doesn't make a lot of sense. And that's why he struggled to achieve liftoff. But I mean, fundamentally, it's kind of the same problem that all of these candidates have faced, which is that they all ran campaigns that were predicated on something will take Trump out of the equation. I'm not going to be the one to make the argument to take him out of the equation, but something maybe will happen that will take him out of the equation. And I'm going to position myself to be the top Trump alternative. That simply hasn't manifested itself. Trump is still there. He's in some ways stronger than another. I saw ever. I saw I think it was a CBS News poll that came out this weekend that had him at his highest level national support in terms of Republican primary yet. So if they were betting on Trump just vanishing and going away or being imprisoned or whatever, that certainly hasn't panned out. And it has left them all bizarrely squabbling for a meaningless second place position that doesn't even make any sense.
6: Yeah, I saw a uh, DeSantis kind of, I guess, influencer, if you will. And I was reading some of his thought process. And, yeah. Uh, it's Will Chamberlain, just so people know. I've followed him now for quite a long time. He was actually, the, why, why he interests me is he was a MAGA guy and now he's a DeSantis guy. Yeah. Very much on the case of like DeSantis, the guy who will actually get it done. And he's like, look, at the end of the day, like RDS tried his best. Like he ran a race, which is one about actually getting things done, but but the dynamics of the race just were fundamentally difficult after the Mar-a-Lago raid, and I do really think you know history is very different if that Mar-a-Lago raid does not happen. I'm not really saying he wouldn't so. win, but I, I don't know necessarily if he would be able to win as much. If you look and it's very interesting, if I, I've gone through and read the quotes that you know that in general that the reporters are able to find amongst these people who are mm-hmm. like I'm all in with Trump no matter what, almost every single one of them are like Look at Colorado, look at Mar-a-Lago, look at what happened here. They're, they're out to get him, you know. I mean, Tucker, even he was like, Listen, you know, you can't let that t- stand. Maybe they would all come up with different excuses. It's actually inc- incredibly possible, yeah, if they're running, but it's convenient enough that it's enough to just be like, No, I'm not even gonna think about
3: I it. I mean, if you're a DeSantis person, I think that's reasonable, cope, but I mm. do think it's cope because. Maybe I the, don't know. even before the Mar-a-Lago raid, we were looking at this thing and saying, it just doesn't make sense because you have to give people a reason to abandon this guy. Mm-hmm. And you're not willing to do that. And by the way, they still really like him and he's still extremely popular. So I don't really think that it it, it maybe like sharpened the dynamics or consolidated them more quickly. But you also have to look at the fact that once Ron DeSantis actually got out on the campaign trail, he's an awkward dude. He's not charismatic. He's not compelling. He's like kind of hard to watch and kind of hard to be around. And he's not that great on a debate stage. So even if you hadn't had the Mar-a-Lago raid, I don't think that Ron DeSantis would have worn well over time and been able to maintain the margins that he was hitting, which he was still trailing Trump, even right after the midterms when you had this dramatic demonstration of like, oh, all the trump Act candidates got their butts handed to them and Ron DeSantis romped in Florida. You know, I always think those memories gonna were gonna fade pretty quickly, especially when you just look at these two people and putting aside however you feel about them, which I don't feel great about either one of them. Um, Trump has just so much more of an it factor. He is so much more of a star player, DeSantis is so much more of a like B League player. It's just manifestly obvious when you see the two of them out there on the campaign trail. So even without Mar-a-Lago, or Colorado or whatever, I I think this was gonna be oh. the inevitable result.
6: Look, there. We will never know. That's what I always believed, too. I was just trying to give the case. Uh, what I would say with Trump is, to your point, he's funny, man. I don't I don't know what else to say. He's good. He loves it. He loves the game. He loves being up there as evidence of that. And he's funny. Uh, just take a look at what he said to people about why they need to come out and vote for the, in the Iowa caucuses, even if they're sick as a dog. Let's take a listen.
4: You can't sit home if you're sick as a dog. You say, darling, I got to make it. Even if you vote and then pass away, it's worth it.
6: (laughs) Even if you vote and die, it's still worth it. it. (laughs) As long as you come out for Trump. Um, Incredible. There's nobody else who would say it.
3: Ron DeSantis was not going to compete with that. Yeah, it's just too There is no alternate timeline in which Ron DeSantis wins.
6: That's right. We got our friend James Johnson uh, who helps conduct our focus groups. He's on the ground, actually, in Iowa, and he's going to join us now. Let's take a listen.
5: Start saving now at GameBridge.io. Please visit GameBridge.io slash ParodyFlex for current rates, full product disclosures and disclaimers, and other important information.
2: Live Nation presents Concert Week. Now through May 14th, get $25 tickets to over 5,000 shows. That's up to 75% off a summer full of your favorite artists, like 21 Savage, Alanis Morissette, Cage the Elephant, Celeste Barber, Dirk Spentley, Fade, Hootie and the Blowfish, Janet Jackson, Kids' Bop Kids, Megan Trainor, Fistle Pluma, Sarah McLaughlin. Get tickets to more than 5,000 summer shows for just $25. Until now through May 14th. Visit LiveNation.com slash Concert Week to learn more. And plan your summer with Sean Paul, Sum 41, 30 Seconds from Mars. Oh, and two-door cinema club. Hey, have you ever used Cheapo Air?
0: For years, and I really like it. With Cheapo Air, you can book online, use their app, or even over the phone. They've got great prices on over 500 airlines and millions of accommodations. They're my go-to for travel planning. And if you join their Club Miles program, you can earn points to save on the cost of your travel. Book on the app and you get double points.
2: Sounds like it's time I tried Cheapo Air.
0: Call Cheapo Air at 855-247-3279 or visit CheapoAir.com slash podcast.
5: Start saving now at GameBridge.io. Please visit GameBridge.io slash ParodyFlex for current rates, for product disclosures and disclaimers, and other important information.
2: Live Nation presents Concert Week. Now through May 14th, get $25 tickets to over 5,000 shows. That's up to 75% off a summer full of your favorite artists, like 21 Savage, Alanis Morissette, Cage the Elephant, Celeste Barber, Dirk Bentley, Fade, Hootie and the Blowfish, Janet Jackson, Kids, Bob Kids, Megan Trainor, Bissell Pluma, Sarah McLaughlin. Get tickets to more than 5,000 summer shows for just $25. Until now through May 14th. Visit LiveNation.com slash Concert Week to learn more and plan your summer with Sean Paul, Sum 41, 30 Seconds from Mars, oh, and two-door cinema club. Hey, have you ever used Cheapo Air?
0: For years, and I really like it. With Cheapo Air, you can book online, use their app, or even over the phone. They've got great prices on over 500 airlines and millions of accommodations. They're my go-to for travel planning. And if you join their Club Miles program, you can earn points to save on the cost of your travel book on the app and you get double points.
2: Sounds like it's time I tried Cheapo Air.
0: Call Cheapo Air at 855-247-3279 or visit CheapoAir.com slash podcast.
6: Joining us now is our very own James Johnson from JLP Partners. He conducts our focus groups, if you can't recognize him there, in his cold weather guard. But he's actually on the ground in Iowa City, Iowa. So, James, welcome to the show. Thank you for uh, taking the time. Thank
3: you for suffering on our behalf. We appreciate it.
1: Thank you. I've got two pairs of
6: trousers on. It's a first. a life first for me.
3: <laughs> Smart I, I man. I can't Wise even man. imagine.
6: Yeah. Right? So we're, <laughs> we're going to keep this as short as possible so that you can get yourself inside. James, you've been conducting interviews with caucus goers. Tell us a little bit about what you're learning, speaking to voters on the ground, who you're hearing from in terms of the type of support for each individual candidate and what you expect to happen tonight.
1: Yeah, well, the first thing I think to say is that we put out a recruiting call when we try and get our interviews so we can try and make sure that we're getting... A fair range of people, people who might represent the the middle of of Iowa politics, and I, th- I have to say, the number of Trump supporters we've had in return is really quite significant, uh, yeah. and that obviously mirrors what people are seeing in the polls as well. Trump is clearly the favourite uh, going into tonight, um, and the voters who are backing Trump. It's interesting; they're not factional, they're not sort of you know really hardcore Trumpists uh, you know, ready to go out and uh, and sort of uh, uh, you know rally rally for the former president. They're middle-of-the-ground Republicans who simply see him as the incumbent. They see him as strong. They see him as someone who gets things done. Uh, and they see him as somebody who's had an effective first term. I was speaking to a chap uh, last week uh, in, uh, in Davenport in Iowa. Um, and he said uh, that uh, he was worried about the economy. Prices going up. He thought Trump would fix that because of his record. He's worried about the southern border. He thought Trump would finish the wall. And he's worried that under Biden, uh, we need to, quote, prepare for war because Russia and North Korea would take advantage of him, he sees Trump as the strong man to counter that. So there's definitely a lot of that groundswell of support for Trump here. But there's also uh, good support for Ron DeSantis as well. Um, He's clearly had Mm. a very effective ground campaign in the state. Um, People who are a little bit less sure on Trump but still want that sort of hard conservative politics, uh, fiery conservative politics, uh, uh, are are going with with Ron DeSantis. Uh, Nikki Haley, a little bit more muted, It's interesting, if you look at that Seltzer poll that came out uh, uh, just a couple of days ago, uh, the final Iowa poll, um, it showed Nikki Haley in second place. But it also showed that half of her support came from Democrats and independents. And you might be able to see from me now that it's very cold here. uh, And I'm (laughs) not convinced that uh, Nikki Haley is going to be able to turn out loads of new registrants to the Republican Party uh, tonight to get her over the line.
3: And how about Vivek Ramaswamy, who Trump has just uh, gone after? He—they've been uh, Vivek had an interesting response, saying basically like I'm sort of protecting Trump from himself. They're going to take him out. A vote for me is a vote to protect Trump, is effectively the case he's making there. But Vivek has spent more time in Iowa, done more events than any other candidate. Do you see any signs that that has moved the needle for him in a way that may not be getting picked up in the polls?
1: I think Vivek Ramaswamy might slightly overperform his polling but I think it's going to be hard for him to break 10%, 15%. Uh, And the reason why is that for a lot of voters, they're not paying attention to the minutiae. They're not going to all these IRO events. For them, they just look at the news and they see Trump and then there's DeSantis and Haley who are close, uh, who who are behind him. Um, And uh, that's sort of their calculation. Um, I do think Vivek Ramaswamy's clearly ran a a punchy campaign. If there's one impact of it, it might be an accidental one. Um, His straight talking and plain speaking has shone a bit of a light on Ron DeSantis and Nikki Haley for being a little, a little bit more polished, a little bit mm. more manufactured. Um, a chap I was talking to again last week in Iowa, he was saying, that I like DeSantis, but he's a bit of a wannabe. He's a little bit of a politician wannabe. Uh, and they didn't like that uh, too much at all.
6: <laughs> yeah, I could see some of that. So, I mean, and overall, James, uh, could you just tell us about any like unexpected things? You think the weather, obviously, as you can see behind you, you think that's going to play um, a major role. Anything else that our
1: viewers should look out for? I think the big number to watch is Trump support. Um, mm-hmm. If Donald Trump gets below 40%, uh, then he is going to be in trouble in those later primaries. Uh, people are going to say Trump hasn't got the support he wanted. He's in a dangerous position. He's going into this uh, race with high polling numbers. And Iowa and these primaries are all about expectations and beating expectations. Uh, so he is uh, he's going in with those high expectations. If he gets below 40%, there's going to be a lot of scrutiny on Donald Trump's support. Uh, if he gets over 50%, then I think a lot of people are going to be saying, let's just wrap it up now. Um, and if he gets in between 40 and 50, then we may well see a competitive New Hampshire, but ultimately he'll probably succeed in those Super Tuesday states. So that's what I'd say to watch out for. Yes, the race for second place is interesting. But it's going to be whether Trump goes below 40 or over 50 that will really make the difference tonight.
3: Last question I've got for you, James, and then we'll let you get back inside where it is hopefully a little bit warmer. Um, One theory that I have seen that I don't particularly buy, but I want to see if you see any signs of this, is that people basically take for granted that Trump's going to win. So, yeah, his supporters are numerous. They are excited about Donald Trump. But when they're looking at, like, minus 30 degrees and snow piled up, they might think, like, eh, this guy's got in the bag anyway. He doesn't really need me to come out and caucus for him, so I'm just going to stay home and be warm and cozy. Do you see any signs or any possibility of that coming through?
1: Yeah, so definitely Donald Trump supporters are more likely to be first-time caucus goers. You're absolutely right. Oh,
3: interesting. But they're also,
1: they're also the more likely to be enthusiastic across the board. So in that Seltzer poll, 88% of Trump supporters said they were enthusiastic. Uh, about turning out for him. That was the highest of all the candidates. Now, when you drill down to very enthusiastic, DeSantis picked the post. Um, but uh, I still think those overall numbers uh, of enthusiasm for Trump will get his people, his people there. If anybody's not going to be turning out, it will be Democrats and Independents. You can register to be a Republican on the night tonight, um, regardless of how you voted or how your registration has been in the past. Um, but can I see droves of Democrats and Independents coming out and registering Republican only to re-register as their existing party a couple of weeks later, uh, on a night like this, on, let's face it, not the most exciting primary season uh, mm-hmm. of the last uh, 20 years or so, I can't see it, and I think that's going to mean uh, that DeSantis and Trump do quite well tonight. Yeah. yeah.
6: Well, uh, we that. really appreciate you taking the time, James. Go get inside, drink some tea, uh, as I know you mm-hmm. guys would like to do, and uh, yes. get warm for us, and we will talk to you very, very soon, my friend. Yes, yeah, stay you very safe, much.
3: James. Thank you.
6: Great to chat, guys. Absolutely. At the same time, as we've teased so many times so far, Donald Trump finally is a gloves off on Vivek Ramaswamy. Let's go ahead and put this up there on the screen. Broke over the weekend. From Donald Trump's truth, quote, Vivek started his campaign as a great supporter, the best president in generations. Unfortunately, now all he does is disguise his support in the form of deceitful campaign tricks. Very sly, (laughs) but a vote for Vivek is a vote for the other side. Don't get duped by this. Vote for Trump. Don't waste your vote. Vivek is not MAGA. The Biden indictments against his political opponent, all capitalized for no reason, will never be allowed in this country. They are already beginning to fall, MAGA. Okay, so making the case there that Vivek is a vote for the other side. So how does Vivek handle this? He basically has kept saying, Donald Trump is the best president of my lifetime. I'm vo- I'm running actually to defend Trump because I'm the one that can get it done. He put out a very, very long uh, message on Twitter. Let's go ahead and put this up there on the screen. He says, yes, I saw President Trump's truth social posts. It's an unfortunate move by his campaign advisors. I don't think, everything is never Trump's fault. It's always no, sorry. His campaign advisors. No, I don't think friendly fire is helpful. Donald Trump was the greatest president of the 21st century. I'm not going <laughs> to criticize him in response to this latest attack. <laughs> then he goes on. I've met thousands of Iowans. But here is a little bit of his message. I'm worried for Trump. I'm worried for our country. I've stood up against the prosecutions of Trump. I've defended him at every step. I showed up at the Miami courthouse, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. I pledge myself to remove from Maine and Colorado ballots if they remove Trump. But we have to open our eyes. Last time, it was a man-made pandemic, big tech election interference. Now, the same billionaires funding the lawsuits against Trump are the ones trying to prop up Nikki Haley. The same MSN blasting Trump is lavishing praise on her. They want to narrow this to a two-horse race between Trump and Haley and eliminate Trump one way or the other and trot out their puppet into the White House. We cannot fall for that trap. One year from now, we won't look back and say we were shocked that it happened. We'll kick ourselves for not stopping it. Our movement must live on. Etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. I mean, it basically just comes and boils down to this, which is it's a very nice way of saying, I like Trump, all you people who support him, uh, but he's too dumb to actually do any of the things that he said he was going to do, and I'm the person that can get it done. Compelling message, one that appeals though to only someone who thinks that Trump doesn't have the requisite skills to pull off what he does want to do whereas the vast majority of republican voters are like no actually I'm totally cool with Trump I believe in Trump I think he can do whatever he is promising me so part of the reason why Vivek has had a problem getting to the high level traction that we originally saw some flirtation with him and just in general why Vivek proving that You can be anti-Trump as Haley was, you can be pro-Trump as Vivek was, you can be everything in between for all of these people, but if you're not named Trump, you're just probably not going to win this primary.
3: I mean, I'm sorry, but I think this is a really embarrassing message. Mm -hmm. To be like, to try to persuade voters that the way to help Trump is to vote against Trump, Mm Who's going to buy that?
6: I mean, people are smart. It doesn't make any sense, you know?
3: And so Vivek has this whole conspiracy that he lays out of like, they want to narrow it to a two-person race. And then somehow something's going to happen that's going to remove Trump from the race. And then they're going to trot Nikki Haley into the White House. And so I'm helping Trump. I'm helping to save Trump by having you vote against Trump. And so in a sense, I mean, what Trump said there, if this is effectively like a sly campaign trick. Mm. I mean, I think that's basically accurate. I think accurate. he is right. That's yeah. basically accurate. That's true. Vivek is trying to posture like, I am even more pro-Trump than Trump himself is. Mm. And that the way to support Trump the hardest and be the biggest MAGA supporter is to vote against Trump and vote for me. And I just, I, obviously that argument's not going to win the day. Now look, as we said before- Do I think he can maybe get to 10% in the Iowa caucuses? Maybe, Mm -hmm. but all of these candidates, maybe no one more than Vivek Ramaswamy really bet on if Trump is out of the race. Then I've got a lane. Then I've got a shot. And especially because the people who like Vivek are basically just Trump supporters. Like there's very few people who are Vivek number one and Trump number two. Most people are Trump number one. And then a good number of them are Vivek number two. But if Trump is in the race, like your whole theory here doesn't really pan out. So this jujitsu move that he's trying to pull of like the way to be the most pro MAGA is to actually vote against Donald Trump. I don't think that's gonna work out too well.
6: The only way it works, Crystal, is if Trump literally ends up in prison or disqualified by SCOTUS you know, to not run. Then maybe, look, maybe it was a smart strategy, but in the interim, where you can't really bet on something like that, it's just not going to work. We see, there's an interesting, uh, there's video that's come out from Vivek on the ground in Iowa. This is actually being put out by the Trump uh, people, not Trump campaign per itself, kind of showing the way that he's making his pitch to Trump voters themselves. Pay very close attention to his language, to the way that he tries to convince this Trump voter to switch over to vote for him. Let's take a listen.
4: They're scared of you. Just they are. Like they're scared of Trump. Oh, they are scared And they will of stop at nothing, but we're not going to let him get away with it. I've got fresh legs. I'm not wounded. And they're not going to let this man do it. You know, when you this said eliminate, that gave me no. a chill. But because I'm scared. Because of you them. think it's false or because you think it's true? I think it's true. Yeah. Yeah. I think they will stop at it nothing is- to stop them. Stop trouble. I, it's sad, but it's the truth. It's the sad, but it's the truth. So I'm but asking you to do your part, and we're going you know, to... We do can do this. Polls, we can do, do this. Polls, yeah. They say, how do you feel about the United States? And I say, I'm worried, and I'm fearful. My job that you don't have to feel that way in this country. But we're losing it. We need people hey, like you. you young, do, vibrant. To do this. And that's where our founding fathers were. Yes. It's 1776 moments. So I want your support at that Iowa caucus. I'm, I get emotional. I, I'm emotional about this country. I need your support on Monday night. You do this, I'm gonna do my part. Okay, you're, you're picking at my shell. You are. Yeah. But, you know, I've got- but It's about this country. It's about this country. You want to save You want to save Trump, you vote for me. I'm telling yeah. you that. You, have, you, you vote for Trump. You're sending him- He's a him, sledgehammer. You no, know, but you're sending him to his own demise. You're falling into the trap that not only a country's falling in, that he's falling. You want to save Trump, you vote for me. I need your support at the Iowa caucus. That's a good argument. That's a good argument. It's it's not an argument. It's the truth. Do the right thing. for for this country, that's what I'm asking you for.
6: Interesting, uh, I mean, I don't know if it's gonna work out. It was, uh, took him over a minute in order to, I, did she get convinced, what do you think? Did she come away saying? N- the
3: fact that she's she saying the him? candidate to his yeah. face, like maybe, means yeah. no, okay. that, that means no. Do you run for office, <laughs> I am <have> not. No, <laughs> no it, even yeah. if the person says, I am 100% with you, uh-huh. discount 50% of those <laughs> even. But the one that's like, yeah, maybe I'll consider it, no, okay. they are not voting for you, but um, I mean, this again, to save Trump, vote for me? Who's buying that? That's It's silly. It's ridiculous. Um, it's embarrassing to make that case. And I go back to what James was saying, which I think was very astute analysis of effectively like, listen, Republican voters, they see Trump as the incumbent. Mm-hmm. They see him as the default. And so if you aren't making a very, very, very compelling case- To move them off of Trump to you, not for some elaborate conspiratorial argument, confusing 4-D chess argument about how really by voting against Trump, you're saving Trump, etc. If you aren't making a straightforward, compelling case of why you need to move on for Donald Trump, it's not going to work out. And here's the other thing with Vivek that I also want to say is, like, this man has really changed his colors, too to suit what he thinks is, like, where he should be, both for this campaign, but also for whatever, like, potential media opportunities he wants for the future. And right after January 6th, he said that he cried when he watched what happened on January 6th. And then this year, he's, like, tweeting out, happy entrapment day. So the way, what he said in his book— very different from the way he's positioned himself in this campaign, etc. You know, his whole book also was about like anti-wokeness and ESG. The moment he realized that that wasn't really selling, he shifts messages again. So I also think there is a little bit with voters of a sense of this man is trying to just position himself to what he thinks we want to hear.
6: Yeah, I mean, he's ver- he definitely is all over the place. His defense is that he didn't know about the entrapment on January sixth. I mean, listen, I think there has obviously been a lot of political calculation behind it. What's interesting to me actually was the question of why. Trump has decided to come out against him now. Because Trump lo- nothing Trump loves more is than to see somebody who is on television, who is not named Trump, who is defending Trump. So he's held his fire on him now. Part of the reasoning is, let's put this up there on the screen, Bloomberg and others quoting people inside the Trump campaign, is that Trump is pissed because according to his internals, Vivek Ramaswamy is one of the people who is keeping him from under 50%. He desperately wants to get over 50 in Iowa. And the and then over 50 again in the state of New Hampshire to seal everything up before it even gets to South Carolina, Florida, and to Super Tuesday. The 8% of Ramaswamy, I think it's pretty unquestioning to say. It's obvious that almost all of that would be going to Trump if he wasn't in the race. The question, as we alluded to uh, previously, Crystal, is how much does ground game and any of this matter? Mm -hmm. Vivek has put in more work than all of these other candidates honestly combined. Let's put this up there on the screen. As you can see, Vivek has done 239 events in 94 counties. Nikki Haley, by contrast, has done 51 events in 30 counties. Ron DeSantis, 99 events in 57 counties, and Donald Trump has only done 24 events, Crystal, in 19 counties. He didn't even show up until Iowa till yesterday. He didn't do the traditional week-long stretch. He did much more on the ground. Now, obviously, he didn't necessarily have to do that. So, if Vivek does overperform, and it's possible also that Trump's internals show a lot of that second-choice stuff going on with with Trump for Vivek Ramaswamy voters, that could be why he ended up attacking him. And I think really. Wanted to, he wanted to do is undercut Vivek's permission structure of like vote for me to save Trump. He's like right. Trump is like just to be 100% clear, that's not what it is. You should just vote for Trump. Yeah, to be clear, yeah.
3: this is nonsense basically, right. which I think people will be very receptive to hearing because it's kind, it's it's an absurd case that he's making. But if you look at this number of events in the state, based on the Selzer poll, it is entirely possible that you end up with an inverse relationship between the number of events that were conducted in the state and the success in the state. Because Trump did the fewest events. And he's obviously in first. Nikki did the second fewest events. And according to that poll, she's in second. Ron did you know, the next. He did 99 events. And he's in third. And Vivek is in fourth with the most events on the board. I don't know what Asa Hutchinson has done, how many events he's done. So I'm not sure where he fits into this calculation. But I mean, that would be a pretty stunning repudiation of like our self-conception of how politics work and especially how the Iowa caucuses work and what actually moves voters in these states.
6: You saw a lot of this in 2016. I can anecdotally from speaking to people who are involved. in many of the races, Trump, Rubio, Ted Cruz and others, they all told me the same thing. They said a lot of this ground stuff, it doesn't matter at all. Now for Cruz, it did push him over the edge, but Fox News is really what the primary was all about. All of them said that in most cases they were better off doing Fox and Friends than they were trying to hold an event, driving two hours across the godforsaken Mm -hmm. state in the middle of the snow, and that they could almost always reach more people, that earned media would eventually find its way out there, and that in general the national mood or the Fox News primary was 10, 15, 20 times more important to people's votes. Now, like I said, it can help you if it can, you know, to push you over the edge, quote unquote, maybe 4 or 5%, something like that. the case of Ted Cruz, but it cannot bring you from zero to 15. And that's what Vivek is trying to do.
3: Basically, events at this point, campaign events, wherever they occur, Iowa, New Hampshire, whatever, they should be seen by campaigns as generating media content right, exactly. to be distributed through social media or to generate some moment that's going to be covered by traditional media. But you know, going schlepping three hours to somewhere in Iowa to speak to 30 people, obviously that's not a great return on investment in and of itself. If you again have, like, you know, Bernie Sanders did this well, if you have a campaign team, a videographer that you're creating, pumping out your own content based on your interactions with voters, this is getting put up on various social media platforms to generate buzz and interest far outside of Iowa, yes, then that can make sense. But, you know, these little campaign events in the diner, you know, or in the coffee house or whatever, in and of themselves, it's just not the way the campaigns work now.
6: Right, exactly. I mean, because if it, but Unfortunately, you know, if let's say he underperforms, what what message does that really tell us? It's like you don't need to spend any time on the state at all. You should just be the incumbent. You should get as much earned media attention as possible in the circles or whatever that matter to you. I think that's sad, but you know, like sometimes it is what it is. This, we're a far a cry from two thousand and eight, where Barack Obama, I mean, bet his entire case on these. T- Little Iowa towns. I mean, he spent. I mean, he spent so much time there, and you know, had all these college students who flocked across the country. their organizing and all that mattered. It was like a traditional story in American politics. But you know, the farther we are away from that, it just looks like ancient history. Yep. Unfortunately.
5: Start saving now at GameBridge.io. Please visit GameBridge.io slash ParodyFlex for current rates, full product disclosures and disclaimers, and other important information.
2: Live Nation presents Concert Week. Now through May 14th, get $25 tickets to over 5,000 shows. That's up to 75% off a summer full of your favorite artists, like 21 Savage, Alanis Morissette, Cage the Elephant, Celeste Barber, Dirk Spentley, Fade, Hootie and the Blowfish, Janet Jackson, Kids Bop Kids, Megan Trainor, Bissell Pluma, Sarah McLaughlin. Get tickets to more than 5,000 summer shows for just $25. Until now through May 14th. Visit livenation.com slash concertweek to learn more and plan your summer with Sean Paul, Sum 41, 30 Seconds to Mars, oh, and Two Door Cinema Club. Hey, have you ever used Cheapo Air?
0: For years, and I really like it. With Cheapo Air, you can book online, use their app, or even over the phone. They've got great prices on over 500 airlines and millions of accommodations. They're my go-to for travel planning.
6: I could see things going two ways. We could have a narrative out of tonight where if DeSantis overperforms expectations by beating Nikki Haley, maybe he gets a good news cycle. But let's say he still gets beaten by 30 points uh, from Donald Trump. Well, it's going to be difficult for him. DeSantis has also boxed himself now into a corner where there's no, not like Vivek, there's no job for him waiting on the other side. Yeah. The but you know the the bridge has been burned. Even just today, DeSantis put out a quote at an event, and he was like, "Look, you can be the most worthless person in the country, but if you say you love Trump, then he'll shower you with praise." Accurate. True. Accurate. accurate <laughs> not necessarily something you want to say though, if you want to remain in the man's good graces. So, but. He's burned a lot of bridges with Trump people. It's clear also that a lot of the Trump campaign, uh, Trump voters and others have genuine like, personal enmity now at this point for him. None of that was best, uh, all of that was on display when a voter walked right up to his face to try and present him with a participation trophy in Iowa. This is especially brutal to watch because his wife had to step in to try and save him. Let's just take a listen.
5: Uh, real
1: quick, before we get started, thank you, everyone. Governor DeSantis, I want to present to you this participation trophy. <laughs> now, probably not going to win the election, right? But we're I, I, proud I, I of you for trying. I sorry, buddy. Sorry. He's special, he's unique, and he's our little snowflake. Thank you. Here you go. Did you want to use the Lord,
4: we're so happy
6: Man, that's that's tough to watch, Crystal's wife's gotta step in for him. He he's also he's so awkward because the you know what you gotta do in politics, somebody like Vivek would have Vivek has been doing this thing where every time a protester shows up, he like engages with them and he yeah. talks to them and rhetorically spars and does like a Ben Shapiro level like beatdown. Uh, Trump would be like, get him out of here, go back to mommy. Like, look at this loser, something like just belittling, you know, and like inciting the crowd. Yeah. Just, DeSantis just sits there and take it. You can't sit there and take it, man. Oh, you, can't, you can't, you can't let front. the wife stand in front of you something like that he's just so awkward when he stands it's kind of like when patrick bet david trying to give him those shoes and was asking about his foot size you got to play you got to turn this into a game otherwise i mean it's just it's deeply emasculating and look i mean you could say that all the stuff shouldn't matter and that the you know the policy and all that shit i wish that were the case but it's not like let's be real like this part of politics is that people do not find him relatable they find him to be an incredibly awkward person and that's a that's a big problem and that was a lot of that was on display right there
3: yeah I mean this is not the first time that it yeah. has occurred to me that he would have been better off if Casey ran rather than him his yes. wife has way more uh, she's way more comfortable in front of a crowd way quicker on her feet in terms of mm-hmm. answering questions delivering a speech all of those things but um you know it's it's a sign this little embarrassing troll moment which was spread far and wide by the way um speaking of like social media yeah. and what things actually matter on the campaign trail uh, it's just emblematic of how far he has fallen mm-hmm. since he initially launched his campaign and coming off of the midterms, looking like he was the guy, you know, all this media love, lots of uh, sort of soft lens features on him and conservative outlets, Fox News throwing all the way in with him to now where he is scrapping and hoping that he can beat Nikki Haley on caucus night. I mean, this is just so far beyond what he thought, where he thought he would be coming into tonight.
6: Yeah, no, you're absolutely right, Crystal. And this is also the problem with DeSantis' entire strategy, trying to recreate the Ted Cruz moments and all that. And we can actually see here, uh, whenever we look through, how Trump is going about this. He no longer is even taking DeSantis all that seriously. He instead has been returning all of his fire and pointing it all of it on Nikki Haley. And actually, uh, what we've now seen is that given the polling that came out in Des Moines Register, the Trump campaign's actually been running ads against Nikki Haley on MSNBC and specifically targeting her for her comments on trying to cut social security. Just to show you how the dynamics of the race here are changing, let's take a listen to what the Trump campaign
4: has been saying.
0: Americans were promised to secure retirement. Nikki Haley's plan ends that.
4: Social Security, Medicare, how would you manage the entitlements?
2: We say the rules have changed. We change retirement age to reflect life expectancy. What we do know is 65 is way too low, and we need to increase that. Increase that.
0: Haley's plan cuts Social Security benefits for 82% of Americans. Trump will never let that happen.
4: I'm Donald J. Trump, and I approve this
6: message. Donald J. Trump and I approve this message. Interesting. Attacking her that way and also doing it on MSNBC. Smart move because so much of her support does come from Democrats. Go ahead.
3: It is and it isn't. Yeah. I mean, this obviously, Social Security is an issue that a lot of people are very passionate about. I think any ad that ends with, I'm Donald Trump and I approve this message on MSNBC is right. probably not going to gain a lot of traction. They would have been better off if it had been a, you know, super, a connected super PAC mm. that didn't have to say, I'm Donald Trump and I approve this message at the End. And I also think that they would have been better off with a message about Nikki Haley of how she loved Donald Trump right up until it was no longer convenient for her. Because if you, if there are Democrats who show up to vote in the Republican caucus tonight, it's not going to be because they love Nikki Haley or they support her position on Social Security or whatever. Yeah. It's going to be a vote against Trump. That is the animating force among these liberals. So I think a much more effective message for them to put out there would be, this woman is basically a wolf in sheep's clothing. She does whatever's politically convenient. Sure, she claims she's an po- opponent to Trump now, but when it was convenient for her politically, she was singing his praises. She was doing his bidding. And personally, I think that is probably a message that would land more mm-hmm. effectively with anti Trump independents and anti Trump Democrats. Partly I'm saying this because of the brilliance of my own mother who shares basically these views. Because <laughs> I asked her yesterday, just very neutrally, oh, like really? if it was Nikki or Biden, you know, who would you be? Mom's been kind of like an independent voter. Uh, Uh a long time so she's my barometer a lot of ways and that was exactly what she said i was like this woman just does whatever's politically convenient. She loved Donald Trump right up until, right up until (laughs) now I guess she's an opponent of him, but I don't trust her whatsoever. I think that probably would land better, but who knows how this will all shake out. The
6: question here is how this is going to, what's going to happen? Because if DeSantis gets number two, then we can be guaranteed that the Trump fire is gonna return right back to Ron DeSantis and going into New Hampshire. Some of it will also depend. The thing is though, is that we're all seeing this like lack of enthusiasm amongst Nikki voters is that her quote unquote surge in New Hampshire, the bottom could fall out too if she comes in third. That's why she actually arguably has more at stake tonight than everybody else. And things right now in New Hampshire are not bad for her. Let's go and put this up there on the screen. We've got the real clear politics polling average. As you guys can see, Trump is at 43.5%. He would love to be at 50, but Nikki Haley's at 29.3. And this previously is when Chris Christie was there with 11.3%, DeSantis is 65 and Vivek at five. You can assume that a large portion of that Christie vote would go to Nikki Haley, which would make her virtually tied. So that means if she does come in third, tonight, I do expect to see a lot of that support just drop out. And the narrative will generally just be like, look, she was overhyped. She didn't have the ability. At the same time, she had second. You could actually see that number go up. And conceivably, she could actually win the New Hampshire primary. I mean, unlikely, but still possible, you know, very much in this realm. So I actually think she's got so much at stake here. The thing is, too, uh, for DeSantis, though, is that because he's so low right now in New Hampshire, it's clear he's got Iowa first in terms of his campaign. Definitely. If he does come in second, you know, He's, he will have to work incredibly hard to boost those New Hampshire numbers, and I'm, I'm not so sure that's as realistic, actually.
3: Both Ron and Nikki have big problems. Yeah, they do. For Nikki, the biggest problem, I mean, in spite Aside from the fact that she's losing to Donald Trump by double digits, still in Iowa and every other state by New Hampshire. But putting that aside, let's imagine the best case scenario for Nikki, right? She outperforms in Iowa. She clinches that second place and narrows the gap and keeps Trump under 50%. She goes to New Hampshire and actually wins in New Hampshire. And go, the media's loving her and they're pushing her. And maybe she's really got a chance to defeat Trump. She has the same problem, Elizabeth Warren, Kamala Harris, Pete Buttigieg. Pete is probably actually the best example, half, going into the rest of the Mm states. Her support is almost entirely college-educated, like suburban, white, college-educated voters. Now, that's okay in New Hampshire. It's really not okay basically anywhere else. So if she doesn't show an ability to grow beyond that college-educated, suburban base that has an affinity for her— there's just a, a hard ceiling on the amount of support she's ever gonna get. So, without any demonstrated ability to really cut into Trump's working class base, it's like hard to see how this really works out. Now, Ron DeSantis, on the other hand, has a similar college-educated problem, but not as severe as Nikki Haley's demonstrated a little bit more of an ability to appeal to some working-class voters. But if Ron doesn't really outperform in Iowa, he's completely dead in the water. I mean, his campaign is really hanging on by its fingernails at this point. So he is, in a lot of ways, more imminently threatened by the results tonight. I would not be surprised whatsoever if he doesn't pull off second-place In the Iowa caucuses, which is massively in doubt at this point, I would not be surprised if he drops out of the race really, really quickly, because he has really staked his whole potential political trajectory on the state of Iowa. And if he's getting third to Nikki Haley in Iowa— I don't know how you come back from that. He's
6: got big questions, right? So he could stay in all the way to Florida and he could bank it all on his own home state and hope that he beats Trump. There's not currently a single poll that shows him beating Trump in Florida, just to be right. clear. Right. Uh, the other case, you know, but listen, what if Nikki Haley fails in South Carolina? She has to drop out because if you don't win your home home state in general, you're not supposed to stay in the race, then it becomes like a two-man thing and it becomes stronger. And then there's some fantasy narrative. I can make up a whole lot of things. I've heard a lot of Cope, you know, in politics now over these. years years. Let's put this up there on the screen just to show you kind of where the problems really arise for him from the Wall Street Journal. It demonstrates that his, quote, big bet on Iowa risks not paying off. The slipping into third place from all of the tens of millions of dollars at him and the never back down people, which is his super PAC have spent in the state trying to recreate the Ted Cruz victory. We're not seeing the magic kind of play out in the same way. And the thing is, is that we even saw Crystal, the same person, Jeff Rowe, who ran the Ted Cruz campaign and kind of pulled off that Iowa win, running his super PAC, They ended up resigning from the super PAC. There was all this controversy. You know, Ron DeSantis was attacking his own super PAC. It was a total mess. To your point of uh, whether he's going to drop out or not, he spoke to Jake Tapper on CNN yesterday. He says he's not going to. Let's
0: take a listen to what he said. What happens if you finish finish third? Is is that the end of your campaign? (laughs) Well, happy 15th anniversary. Thanks for having me on. Um, We're going to do well on Monday. Uh, Our voters are very motivated. This is I think it's very hard to poll an Iowa caucus a period which the 16 poll was not accurate um, predicted, but especially one in negative 20 degrees. And so these are folks who are very motivated. Our voters are very motivated. We have spent a lot of time in Iowa because we've gone door to door. Uh, getting people to commit to caucus to us. We've got a a huge number of people uh, that have committed to caucus, um, and we expect that these are the people that turn out. So there's a lot of excitement on the ground.
6: So there you go, Crystal. Let's see uh, what actually happens with Ron, whether he'll drop out or anything. I do think the the big problem for him is not even gonna be voters or whether he wants... What if the donors are like, look, dude, it's over. You're done. Like, you're done. Yeah, we're we're pulling the plug on something like this. He doesn't have the same level of grassroots energy. That said, again, I do want to say if he does come in second, it's not a bad world for him. I, you know, he, I think that buys him. I think that buys him at least until Florida. If he comes in second, you know, New Hampshire, he was never going to do particularly well. we'll see what happens in South Carolina. He can always say, "Let's go to my home state," just like Marco Rubio did back in 2016.
3: Yeah, maybe. Yeah. I mean, I guess at this point even though I I just laid out the case against Nikki, which I think is very compelling. I I do think she has a real like wine track problem. I also do think that she is almost crystallizing in the Republican base's mind as akin to like a Chris Christie, like hard anti-Trump figure, even though she's been much more careful in Mm -hmm. her criticism of Trump. But they still have put her on that side of the divide, which is causing her negatives to really spike, etc. But- I like to play devil's advocate here. I like to lay out the case. Is it theoretically possible that we could end up with Nikki Haley beating Donald Trump for the Republican nomination? Here is how it would have to go. She outperforms tonight in Iowa. She gets second place. She narrows the gap. Trump stays under 50%. She goes into New Hampshire with the head of steam and she comes from behind and she actually beats him in New Hampshire. And guess what state is up next? her home state of South Carolina, where, yes, the polls have her down significantly to Donald Trump right now. But if there was any state where you could see her coming from behind and being able to make some inroads, even with Trump's working class base, you would think it would be her home state of South Carolina. You know the media, liberal media, Fox News, whatever. They're going to be going crazy for her if she's able to pull off this series of upset wins. And then Who knows? Anything could happen at that point. That would be the case that the best possible case I could make for her. But I do think that there are, you have to ignore a lot of realities to imagine that that is going to be how things actually play out. With Ron, I just, I have a hard time even being able to come up with a theoretical scenario where he's able to come from behind and pull this thing off because he, unlike Nikki, you know, Nikki's got a real shot at winning in New Hampshire. Ron doesn't have a real shot at winning in Iowa. Mm -hmm. There is no state where you can see a path of like, oh, he could actually win that state. So if you can't even see a single state, where you're likely to beat Donald Trump, it's hard to imagine a trajectory that's gonna put you over top of him, you know, at the end of the day.
6: I don't disagree. Uh, the other problem Nikki has, I think, uh, just to add to this, yeah. is what did we just talk about with DeSantis? Donors are fickle as hell. You know, they de- abandon DeSantis. What if Nikki comes in third and they pull the plug before New Hampshire? I could see it, I'm sure you could as well, where they're like, okay, our dream is gone, and then they, I don't know, they all start funding Dean Phillips's campaign. Like, you know, <laughs> Actually, I mean, Bill Allen Ack- just gave him a million dollars. He gave him more money than he's ever gonna have. Anybody else? Uh, you know, our producers just sent us this. Uh, Bill, Bill Ackman, and Elon are doing a Twitter Spaces today. Elon, Elon did one with for, uh, for uh, Dean. Dean Phillips with Dean Phillips. So I mean, maybe Dean becomes like the guy of the day. It's I, I don't know. I mean, crazier <laughs> things have happened. But that's the problem: is if you're if you're playing the billionaire race, like Nikki and like Dean and like a lot of these other. I don't want to be as mean to Dean. I I actually have a soft spot for Dean just because I have a soft spot for democracy and challenging Biden. Same. Um yeah. I, I I have a soft spot for you know anybody who's like trying to play in this race, but I do know that when you're relying on them, that's a problem. And that's where I could see for Nikki Haley, they could rug pull her instantly if she doesn't do nearly as well. And then, you know, the bottom could fall out like that. It's not that long, really. It's only two weeks till the New Hampshire break. Yeah, this this thing
3: could be over. Very, very, it could be
6: tonight. Very yeah. quickly. Um, right.
3: Last thing I'll say, just as a reminder, Sagar and I are going to be yeah. watching the results tonight. Once we have some sense of where the race is going, we'll go ahead and give you an update and our analysis of what is unfolding. So stay tuned to That's that. Right. And we'll have Ryan and Emily in studio. We'll do a full panel breakdown um, tomorrow in the show. So lots to look forward to there.